the baseball trip of a lifetime while raising awareness of the needs of children in the foster system through our partnership with Children's Hope Alliance. This is Ron Clements with my wife, Patty, who is staring weirdly at me. <laughs> Hello. Well, we're sitting <laughs> on the floor. Why are you looking at me so funny? Because <laughs> we're sitting on the floor and I'm sitting here and we're sharing microphones. I'm like, hi, how are you? Yeah, I forgot the mixer to bring it over to our friend's house in Peoria, Arizona. We were in the Phoenix area and... Uh, yeah, I forgot the mixer, so... It'll work. Have, yep. The mixer is in the RV. Thank you, Aunt Peggy, for uh, allowing us to park the RV by your house. Yeah, that was really awesome. My friend Katie, her husband Chris, his aunt is letting us use her driveway, and it's really nice to be able to park that and be in a house. We are in a house. Very nice house, your friends have. It is a very nice yes. house. Chris and Katie were at our wedding last year. And um, you grew up with Katie until she moved away. Right. And then you wrote letters to each other and how dreamy Michael Jackson was. <laughs> uh, I don't think I called Michael Jackson dreamy. I think she did. Because, of course, I had some of her letters and it would have been what she wrote to me, not what I wrote to her. But uh, right, I'm sure true. there was somebody I said was dreamy as well. Like Sean Cassidy or something. And you probably don't even know who that is. Corey, but anywho. Corey Haim. No, <laughs> we were but like third, we, fourth grade, I, I, fifth I, grade. I, I know. Okay, but we got to um, Arizona Sunday night, and uh, this morning actually, I am going to be going and check out Arizona Cardinals training camp. Final day of Cardinals training camp. I'm gonna do something on Dan Buchanan and kind of how he has changed the NFL with the position the Cardinals created for him essentially when they after they drafted him and. So that'll be up later at ronclementsports.com, but uh, going out to Cardinals camp today. But let's talk a little baseball. Your birthday weekend yes. was a success, I think. Definitely. Uh, just being in San Diego was a success. I really enjoyed that a lot. Yeah, and uh, went to two Padres games, and Petco Park is really nice. It is a really nice park, and I think some of that is colored by the setting because it is in San Diego and San Diego is a great city. But the park itself is open. They have that nice um, park in the park, they call it, I believe, where they have uh, different events out there. They have a DJ before the game spinning some tunes and I think they may do other things. They call that party in the park at uh, the park. Aha. Uh-huh. There's a lot yeah, of park in there. Pretty much any kind of theme night and we were there. They had like a, a wine a winery theme night the first night we were there on Friday. And uh, we actually participated in that. We got our little Padres wine glasses. We're going to give one to Celeste Dominguez, the no, you CEO of Children's Hope Alliance. Well, sorry. Celeste, if you're listening, <laughs> you're getting a stemless Padres wine glass. An outdoor for outdoor yes, use. Yes, it's plastic. It's really exactly. nice. So we weren't. As we're walking around the stadium, we didn't have to worry about like that thing breaking or anything like that. Very smart of those Padres. Yes, but it was a great game, and they won. They did, because you had your shoes. Of course. But then you didn't wear your shoes on your birthday itself, and what happened? They lost. They lost. Our home game winning streak is over. 
Well, the shoes still have a good record, though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually crammed a lot into our little uh, San Diego trip, it, mainly on your birthday, which was Saturday. Yeah, we started and out with Perry's, the best breakfast in town. It said Perry's on the side Cafe, of the right building. There at Pacific Beach. And it really was a really good. They had a frittata. Um, but not then far we, from SeaWorld. Right. And not far from the trolley, which we hopped on. And right a, by Old Town. Yeah. And they have a great trolley uh, transit system. San Diego really does. It was really, really easy to get to the stadium. One of the reasons why we like Petco Park so much was it was easy to get to. Um, I mean, it is California, so the concession prices were a little expensive. But you got a free Sunday. I did. For my birthday, all I had to do was show my ID and... They gave me a very large helping. It of really ice was, cream that and we shared. now we got a little Padre souvenir mini helmet too. I w- wish I would have looked into whether or not AT and T Park offers anything for people celebrating their birthday because it was my birthday when we saw the Brewers and Giants play at AT and T Park. Right, and but this was right out there, and we didn't really look into. Yeah, it. We this just was actually to see it. like this was actually advertised outside of the concession stands. Free birthday or uh, free Sunday on your birthday. So yep. And we saw that Friday, and then we're like, hey, we're coming again Saturday, and it's your birthday. you got to get a Sunday. Exactly. And we did that. We did. And then you mentioned Old Town, so we did walk around Old Town a little bit. There, and speaking of the trolley, so they have the Old Town trolley that they have different tours, but the one we went on on Saturday was the City Lights nighttime tour, and that was awesome. It was really cool. Um, you went over to Coronado, you went through the gas lamp quarter, you went through the gas lamp quarter first and then over to Coronado, got out over there, saw some fireworks, both at Petco Park and then over the bay. The fireworks over the bay were a little unexpected. I thought you arranged those for my birthday. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. <laughs> Basically, folks, what we're saying is San Diego's awesome. After we left Coronado, the tour took us by the USS Midway. And then back down towards Seaport Village where we got on. But uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool tour. And the USS Midway, we did not have time to go on that because we tried to cram as much as we could into one day. But it's a three-hour self-guided audio tour. But you really want to spend all day there. It's a giant aircraft carrier. And then right next to there, though, is the Unconditional Surrender Embracing Peace Sculpture of the classic photo, the sailor kissing the nurse after he gets home from World War II. Yeah, it's a very large statue of that. Yeah, I was thinking it was going to be like a life-size thing, but no, it's like 20 <laughs> feet so tall. Life, life-size if you're a giant. Right. and then But uh, right next to that, then you have the Bob Hope Memorial, which is really cool. I really liked that because I really respect Bob Hope and all that he did for soldiers everywhere. He ba- he essentially started that whole USO celebrity entertainment tour yeah and it their statue basically of him and then of the crowd of soldiers watching him and they have part of his one of his bits on a loop right that you can sit there and listen to and it's right next to the fish market right where we had dinner indeed yep it's a very yummy dinner and you even had a birthday dessert i did they brought me out some chocolate (laughs) but patty i hate to break it to you though this is not all about you I wasn't expecting it to be. <laughs> I mean, it is your, I mean, I realize it's your birthday month, but, but we want to talk about the woman I met before we went to San Diego, literally our last day in the LA area. I got invited out to this health and fitness expo as a media member. 
in West Hollywood. And so we literally left the RV park in Orange, California, went to a Walmart in Anaheim, parked the RV there so you could work and get on your conference calls. And then I drove to West Hollywood thinking, because it was kind of like advertised to me that there'd be some athletes endorsing some of these products or whatever. Well, there were no athletes there. But kind of a fortuitous meeting, I met a woman named Dina Ruggieri, who in 2006 started a foundation to help girls transitioning from juvenile hall back into school and just kind of back into society and and after school programs to keep them out of trouble. And uh, the foundation, it's called the Growth Foundation, and it has grown since 2006 and doing uh, a variety of things now to help these kids primarily between the ages of 12 and 18. But uh, when we come back, you will hear the interview I did with Dina Ruggieri, the founder of the Growth Foundation in Los Angeles. In 2014, there were 702,000 cases of reported child maltreatment in the U.S. That's enough to pack Wrigley Field 17 times. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn how to give hope to a child. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Here with Dina Ruggieri of the Growth Foundation in Los Angeles. And Dina, thank you for uh, for allowing me to interview you. Thanks for the interview. I'm always happy to talk about my foundation. So you started it in 2006. Kind of give me your background and then explain how and why you started this foundation. Okay. Prior to founding Growth Foundation, I was a special education teacher. And I worked in a facility that housed young girls, adolescents, and also educated them uh, on behalf of LA Unified School District. These were girls who were coming mostly out of juvenile hall and they were in a six to six month to two year program uh, to try to graduate and work on their social and emotional issues and help heal the family before transitioning back into their own homes or in transitional housing settings, foster care, uh, group homes. and. What I found as a teacher was that the greatest need for a lot of our, our kids that were in the community is a need for a structure after school. And then also for the girls that were living in the residential facility, being involved in activities after school I found was a key, a key component. School's fine, they're structured, they've got things to do, but it was after school that I saw kids were kind of left to their own devices and maybe not making the best choices idle hands can never lead to good things right that's right an idle an idle mind is the devil's playground <laughs> workshop yes so in 2006 I started growth foundation and at that time our primary purpose was to provide an after-school program and help the girls graduate high school uh, we had a, a California high school exit exam that came into play at that time and a lot of our kids being special ed having missed a lot of school Uh, originally they had a lot of learning gaps and even passing that exit exam was challenging so we focused on academics first but what I found the real success of our program was community service and I found that by providing kids who don't really know they have something to give giving them an opportunity to help others whether it were we helped 
animals, people, elderly, homeless folks. We did all kinds of projects in the community. That was the greatest tool or opportunity to help these kids build their self-esteem. And to, I mean, it was all, my theory was that before you can concentrate on math or any academics, a kid's got to feel good about herself or himself. Uh, and that was the greatest struggle in the school setting. We had kids with so much on their minds and so many issues uh, that focusing on school was, you know, kind of the last thing on their list. So I found that if we could get the kids involved in the community, they started feeling good about themselves. And then suddenly things started to turn around. What's primarily the ages of these kids you're working with? Uh, 12 to 18. Okay. It was kind of one, one thing we've been preaching since we left Charlotte on March 12th is that a kid deserves to be a kid. Yes. And I think kid, kids will excel at the, their, their best when they don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from or where they're going to spend the night. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I concur wholeheartedly. And, and that was that is such a key thing, especially working with kids that are on the streets and coming from troubled backgrounds. They were all facing adult situations at such young ages. You know, the violence, the abuse, the drugs, parents there, not there, incarcerations, you know, all of it. Where's where's the time to just be a kid? And so it's all about safety, it's all about trust. And then once, you know, my what I found working with kids is once they trust you and they know they're safe with you, then that's when you have a real opportunity to start making a difference. Every kid just wants to feel valued and be safe and once they have those things in place and you start to build up that self-esteem, then you're going to start to see kids really make make long-term changes. One of the other things that I found too it's a long-term investment. I, I still am in touch with and help girls who are in their 20s now. Some is my, I think my oldest is 29, wow. and I taught her when she was 14 years old. And it's a long-term commitment because problems just, you know, they don't just last for six months. And that's a lot of, a lot of trouble with social service programs for youth is they're short-term. And you just, it takes months to get to know a kid and where you, you've got to establish a bond first, you know, it takes time. So having a long-term investment, knowing, knowing that for, for a kid to know that you're going to be there for them for the long haul, um, which is what so many of them are lacking. They don't, a lot of the kids that I've worked with, they don't have a support system. Uh, they don't have adults who are really invested in their long-term success. That's one thing we've heard from a lot of people who run foster care organizations, that there has to be a support system in place for the ki- for, for these kids. Absolutely. Without it, they're just... We all need guidance when we're, t- you know, oh, adolescents, teenagers. We, we need tons of help to navigate, especially for, you know, young women, and we see so many issues that they have facing them. Um, strong role models are critical. Examples of people who go to work every day, show up every day, do the right things, make the right choices. Then they see, they, they have examples of a different way. How has your foundation grown over the last 12 years? We've sh- shifted our focus over time. Originally, our primary service was an after-school program. And that kind of morphed into uh, a lot more one-on-one with families. At, at the point of the after-school program, a lot of the kids that were coming were already in transitional housing situations or group homes. Some were back in their in their home with a parent or a grandparent. Um, so as far as 
what the need was, I, I mean, it always boils down to money. Let's mm-hmm. face it. Once a kid graduates high school, it's now what? So a lot of, um, you know, scholarship money for a community college. Most of the kids that I've worked with, I have just a couple that went to universities initially. Most were community college bound or vocational types of programs. Uh, that's where they need the support. Bus passes, book money, tuition, uh, accessing scholarships, filling out applications, all those sorts of things, preparing for jobs, interviewing, same kinds of things that adults are going through co- life coaching for. I mean, we just it's never too young to start. And how can people in the L.A. area get involved with the Growth Foundation? Uh, they can visit our website at Growth Foundation L.A. and show their support either by mentoring or donating. Oh, uh, you're a New York native. Even, even though you're in Dodger country, you told me you're a Yankees fan. <laughs> uh, do don't you, don't do, tell anybody. Do you have like a good uh, uh, baseball memory from when you were a kid? Oh, boy. So many. Uh, my father was a baseball coach, and he coached all four of his sons. I, I was, I'm the only daughter. And so if I wanted to hang around and be a part of what the boys were doing, I had to play ball. So in the early years... Literally and figuratively, right? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was originally, I was the original uh, punching bag defender. You know, I was like, my brothers would, you know, stand here, you know, and then I would just... But basically, baseball, um, I could always hit. So, you know, I'd sit on the dugout and I'd watch. I loved the game. I understood the game as a kid. Um, I never thought baseball was slow or I always, always had a head for the game and could play, could play well. One of the things that's been a joy for us is, is when, when we get a donation of tickets from Major League Baseball teams and we see these kids. Mm-hmm eyes light up the first time they they're at a major league baseball game and, and probably won't be able to without a donation of tickets from mm-hmm. uh, from a team what was it like for you the first time you walked into yankee oh, stadium incredible i was about eight years old and we went to the bronx went to went to yankee stadium and it was like whoa i'll tell you one of my great baseball memories when i was in grad school one of my close friends was Nate Evangelino and she was a Mike Piazza fan and when we took our, our comprehensive examinations to, to get our degrees, our master's degrees she had Mike Piazza's rookie card, that was like her good luck charm for our exams and she was just a huge Piazza fan and a short time after we both passed, we were the only two out of our group of like 15 grad students taking these exams that, that, that day, that time Um, We were the only two that passed, and we always attributed it to having Mike Piazza's rookie card. Well, not long after that, I met Mike Piazza, which was just so cool. Um, It was a great, it was a a great meeting, and uh, he was gracious and fun, and you know, signed stuff for everybody. You know, just it was cool. It was a good baseball moment. I said, Hall of Famer Mike Piazza now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, hey, folks, uh, she did tell me though that she's been in LA for a while, so she does root for the Dodgers, just not if they're playing the Yankees. Right. Right. Uh, Right. Dina, thank you so much for coming on the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you.
keep up the good work. Any child should be able to at least go to a foster home and experience the family. After a traumatic past, Briar was fostered and adopted through Children's Hope Alliance. I felt like God chose this place, and I feel like when he opened the door for them being my foster parents, he also opened the door for them being my mom and dad. There are kids right now in your community waiting for someone like you to open their hearts and home. To learn more about becoming a foster parent or to learn how to spread the word about fostering, visit childrenshopealliance.org slash advocate. Did you know there are enough kids in foster care to fill the rosters of almost 1,500 MLB teams and their entire farm systems? We need more foster parents. Visit childrenshopealliance.org to learn more. Welcome back to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. And Patty, uh, great work Dean is doing. Definitely is. It's obviously needed. And what I really took from what she said was talking about the strong role models that are needed. And that, that, you know, you can help through being a mentor, but just showing your own kids by getting involved or even, you know, your family members, what have you, by getting involved, what you can do to help others is, is a great message to put out there. And I think it's really neat that she's got these kids involved in community service so they actually see the value of getting back and, and become better citizens that way and again the whole thing is to stay out of trouble and as she said and as i said and as we've said all along since we started this thing let kids be kids let kids be kids and i thought it was really important also that she talked about how um, they can do that when they feel safe exactly when they feel valued you know then they can truly be a kid and not have to worry about all these other aspects that they shouldn't have to worry about. You are absolutely correct. And hopefully more people get involved with this in Los Angeles. And who knows, maybe somebody starts a similar foundation elsewhere by listening to that interview. I don't know. It'd it'd be nice. Right. And a lot of kids, whether it's girls or boys, need some the structure in their lives and need this help. And I thought it was also important that she said that it's a long-term commitment you need to have. Oh, yeah. You just can't pick these kids up for like three months and be like, all right, you're good now. Right. Because they're just going to fall back into that same pattern. And unfortunately, a lot of that happens where it's somebody thinks they can just you know, work with a kid for three to six months and then let them you know, on, on their own vices. And no, you got to be committed to these kids long-term. Well, and it's not just that. It's the programs, right? The programs are so overrun there's so much need Mm -hmm. that sometimes that's all they can do so i think the more people that can step in and help Mm -hmm. then that can be taken longer yeah and as long as you're helping as long as you want to help kids just seek out a foundation that fits what you want to do uh if whether that's donating or volunteering because that is such a huge need people to be with these kids and, and to get them on the right path. Kind of like, as, as Dina said, like a big brother, or a big sister. That's also a, a great organization. Right. <laughs> um, but so yeah, if we can just inspire people to get involved somehow to help, to help some kids, that's, that's the entire point of this whole thing. Absolutely. But we are in Arizona right now though, as we said before, and it was kind of funny when we left San Diego Sunday morning about eleven thirty, I think my phone said it was seventy two degrees, and then we stopped for gas in Yuma and it was a cool one hundred four. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, but, I wasn't expecting cool temperatures here. So. Yeah, yeah, not so much. It's kinda of funny though. All the places we've been on the West Coast, 
Seattle, San Francisco, the, of all the places it's going to actually rain, it started to sprinkle a little bit when we got into Phoenix. Really? It did not rain a drop in Seattle or San Francisco. It's all about timing, I, I guess. Know. Odd. But anyway, you'll hear about uh, what we got going on here in Arizona. We are going to a game next week. We haven't actually picked the game yet. It'll either be the 21st or 22nd against the Angels. Um, and our friends, Chris and Katie, are going to go with us. So that's nice. And they, their eight-year-old daughter, Gracie, was like begging to go to the game too. So she's going to go, even though it's a school night. They've already started school in Arizona. But Gracie's dad, Chris, said, okay, you can go. Yeah, so Gracie and Jonah will be joining us at least. Yes. And we'll have to see if Logan goes with us too. Right, yeah, Logan's a college kid now. He He's an adult. He's got his own thing. Probably. Right. <laughs> but uh, anyway, folks, so... That will be on Thursday's episode of the Home Run on Wheels podcast where we'll talk about what we got going on here in Arizona and looking forward to our trip next week to Chase Field to see the Angels and Diamondbacks. Thank you so much for listening to the Home Run on Wheels podcast. Have a great week. I'm running down the road trying to loosen my load. I've got seven women on my mind. Four that want to own me, two that want to stone me, one says she's a friend of mine. Take it easy, take it easy, don't let the sound of your own wheels